I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, We are back with another episode of the I'm Wondering Podcast. Uh, I'm glad you are joining. We are on, of course, the every other week schedule still, um, which is, you know, it's good. It's working, I think. Uh, There's some listeners out there who give me a hard time about it. You know who you are, Uh, but that's okay. It's, It's good for us. It's good for us. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody uh, who's started listening. Quite a few new listeners recently, um, especially from Christ Lutheran Church. So thank you uh, for engaging the podcast and, and having good conversations uh, with me about it. Um, it's one of the joys of ministry for me is to do the podcast. So I'm glad it is helpful um, and that there's been a positive response. Um, so yeah, I uh, hope the summer is going well as it's sort of coming to a close, depending on where you live in the U.S. Um, I know for some parents, it might be a relief if you're listening to, to be able to have the kids go back to school. And um, for some of you, maybe it's not. So either way, hope you've soaked up the sun, soaked up um, all that you've gotten to do during this wonderful time of the year. Uh, this week, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about... Um, an ancient modern blend. The question is, I'm wondering, can an ancient modern church thrive? Uh, And by thrive, I mean, can it be a place of um, healthy worship where people are growing in their faith and growing in fellowship and in all the things you hope for and pray for in a church? Um, Can it thrive? Uh, And to start off, we're going to talk about what is an ancient modern blend. Simply, it is the blending of traditional and contemporary worship practices. Uh, maybe you have some hymns and contemporary music in the same service. Uh, you include things like the Apostles' Creed or Lord's Prayer. Uh, of course, there are many ancient practices you could list off. Um, you could also do a dedicated season for Lent, where you have Lenten services, or you focus on the 40 days after Easter. Some of these rhythms and pieces in the ancient side of things um, bringing those into a modern context and contemporary context and, and sort of mixing them together, if you will. Um, and that's really the core idea of an ancient modern blend is the intentional mixing of the ancient and modern without one dominating the other, that there's a balance to them. Um, you know, in recent history, to take a look at this, uh, we had the rise, of course, of the attractional church model in the 80s, uh, which you could say was probably the next step in the uh, Billy Graham-esque tent revival movement, uh, and it made its way into local churches. Uh, Willow Creek is probably at the top of that list um, with the seeker-friendly approach, um, which became very popular among churches and still, I think, is very popular among a lot of churches. Um, But when that happened, you started to see quite a few ancient practices start to Uh, be removed for churches or start to be questioned, um, and they became less popular. Uh, And what Willow Creek started in the 80s, like I said, does continue on. Uh, There are plenty of churches that still embrace the seeker-friendly model that really focuses primarily on the modern or contemporary and doesn't tend to engage in the ancient very often. Um, You 
seldom will probably find a newer church or church plant uh, that uses any ancient liturgical pieces or songs in their service. Uh, The exception would probably be churches that are part of a denomination that have a long history with these practices. But even then, um, that's not always the case. Uh, I I recently met with someone who's at one of those churches with a denomination that has that sort of history, and they are entirely modern uh, and contemporary in their approach. So that's not always the case. Um, And from what I can gather, the thought behind leaving some of this tradition or ancient practices behind in favor of exclusively modern contemporary-style churches is that ancient practices are more difficult to understand to those unfamiliar with Christianity. Uh, So the intent of it is to, again, reach the seekers or those unfamiliar with Christianity on terms or on grounds that are, uh, for them, probably easier to grasp at the start. Um, And the result of this is that, um, you know, those traditional ancient practices, they might push people away is the thinking from exploring church and God further because um, they distance themselves because maybe it's uncomfortable for them, the ancient practices, because it's harder to understand. So they might be uncomfortable with that. Um, that's at least the thinking of it, I think. <laughs> that's the thinking of it, I think. That's a statement for you. Cut that one up and use it as a promo. <laughs> Um, You know, if you have a church that more closely resembles the modernism of the world around it, uh, then people will feel more comfortable and less uh, there's that there's less of a need to for things to be explained and easier to grasp. Um, Now, what I want to get at today is not a debate about whether ancient or modern is superior. Churches with many ancient practices do have a place. Uh, Churches that are modern do have a place. Um, but there is a place for churches who blend these two two things. Uh, sorry, but is there a place for churches that blend these two things and aim for this ancient modern blend? Uh, in recent years, I have noticed that a number of traditional churches have become more open to embracing modern practices, uh, especially in the worship side, the music side of things. Um, That said, I haven't seen many modern churches uh, embracing the ancient practices. Um, What I'm I'm getting at is that an ancient modern church would most likely uh, work in a church that is moving from more ancient practices to a more blended approach, uh, or at least has an attachment to that tradition already in some form. Um, It would probably be harder to take a strictly modern church and start to incorporate some of the ancient practices, although I think it is happening um, in different places, so that's not entirely 100% accurate all the time. Um, You know, my experience, I wanted to share my experience with this. I remember my experience of ending up in in an ancient modern uh, blend church. I had exclusively been in modern churches up to that point, so when I walked in and they said things like the Apostles' Creed and Lord's Prayer, Uh, and sang some hymns, as well as contemporary songs. I was not really a big fan at first. Um, I had been taught up to this point that ancient equals old, uh, dead traditions um, that don't have a place within the modern church, that they don't speak to modern society. Uh, I would have defined my view at the time as ignorant more than anything else, um, but that was my view at the moment. 
as I continued to spend time in uh, this church, my opinion actually slowly began to change. Um, not because I just got used to this blend and said, eh, that's fine, uh, but because I, I began to learn and understand the reason behind it. Um, the ancient modern blend is not about compromising, or at least it shouldn't be about that. Uh, modernizing an ancient church for the sake of attracting more people, that's not the intent of it. Um, really, it's realizing our place within the long history um, that we have as the church and the long salvation history we have as Christians, um, and how uh, we are in that we are in the place we are in, and how that relates to those who have gone before us. Um, so I think it gives us perspective and appreciation for for God's faithfulness to all generations, um, to be connected to those generations. Um, it is deeply moving for me uh, when we say something like the Apostles' Creed because. It connects us with century upon century of those who have gone before. Um, And to understand that despite that distance in years, I mean, at times hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years, uh, we're all confessing the same exact belief. Uh, And even if the language is different, we're confessing the same exact words. Um, And I realize that for some people, that maybe doesn't speak to them. And that's fine. I don't think it has to speak to everybody. Um, and that's why I said earlier that modern churches do have a place, um, and ancient churches do have a place. Um, it's ridiculous to think that any single church could speak to every single person. Um, that's just unreasonable in so many ways. So this isn't going to be for everyone, um, but that was my experience and, and what connected with me as I grew in my understanding and appreciation of the ancient and how it could be blended with um, the modern. Um, And I don't believe the ancient modern uh, church is that model that works for everyone, but I do believe there is a big potential for churches like this moving into the future. I realize this is, um, you know, only my experience, um, but I actually do remember having some conversations in seminary with other people in my age group. Uh, Many of my classmates uh, resonated with this blend. Um, I remember our worship class in particular, we talked a lot about um, the the old, um, the ancient practices uh, and incorporating those into worship and what that looks like. I remember the creeds and confessions class I took. uh, It was a historical theology class where people started to see the richness and significance of these ancient creeds and confessions and how they could be incorporated into a worship service. Um, and a lot of us resonated with it who, who were younger, the people you would assume don't resonate with that. Um, and again, the common reason was, was this sense of being grounded, um, grounded within history and our time and our place, um, that these ancient practices uh, gave us the ability to um, understand and give perspective to our time today. Um, and to sort of relate to it in a new or fresh way um, through the eyes of those who who were from a different place and different time, but confessing the same thing as we confess. Um, so the ancient really gives a broader perspective and, and, and for us to know our place where we're at in history. And the modern side of things, I think, gives us our expression for today. It's it's our version of, you know, what was modern for many believers back when a creed was uh, was created or a confession um, was written down. 
you know, the modern side, that's, that's our, it's now our time, if you will, or our, our version of things. So for this reason, uh, the ancient brings a depth and perspective and the modern brings a, a expression of who we are today. Um, so I do think that this model, this ancient modern model can thrive in today's culture. Um, and before we go any further on that, I do want to make a case for preserving the ancient, in particular, um, from Scripture. Uh, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the tradition that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Paul understood that what God revealed through him to not only be uh, modern lessons, it, was only, it wasn't only for that time and that place, uh, but there was traditions to pass on generation after generation, something worth um, passing on to believers who would come after them. And the apostles' teaching in all of the Bible, for that matter, is an ancient part of uh, any Bible teaching church. Uh, you could have the most modern and contemporary church in the world, uh, but if you teach from Scripture, uh, you're participating in an ancient tradition. Uh, as Paul says in Second Thessalonians, we're passing on the, the tradition, the teaching. Uh, so you're actually participating in the ancient. Uh, any church that teaches the Bible has that, if you will, ancient side of it. Um, and I don't think people often maybe think of it that way or see it that way. Um, but it's true. Um, it is a very ancient practice to teach scripture. And if we go back even further to Exodus 3.6, we see the importance of remembering the history of God's people. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he identifies himself this way. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. If the people of Israel had forgotten their history, this statement would likely not carry as much weight as it did. The Egyptians had plenty of gods, so if the Lord just says to Moses, I am God, uh, Moses would maybe ask him, uh, which, which god? Uh, are you Ra, uh, Shu, Osiris, Isis, Set, Horus, Bast, Sobek, uh, Serket, Anubis, uh, uh, Bess? Uh, you know, those are all the Egyptian gods. So if, if, if the Lord was to just say, I am God, uh, maybe Moses would have wondered if it was an Egyptian God. But instead, because Israel remembered its history, um, and Moses remembered Israel's history, uh, he actually knew who God was and properly, of course, hid his face. Um, there are plenty more Egyptian gods, uh, by the way, but I didn't want to try and pronounce their names. Some of them are really hard to pronounce, so you could look it up. Um, there were more gods than I listed out. Uh, and my point here might be a little bit of a stretch, uh, but it contains the same idea. History is powerful in grounding us in our place in time, and it provides depth to the character of who God is. The faithfulness of God, the faithful God who was the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is faithful to Moses. The, that Our God, our faithful God, who led the early church to create the Apostles' Creed is faithful to us. 
Um, it connects us throughout all history and connects us to God um, and shows us his faithfulness generation after generation after generation. And the ancient pieces that we bring into uh, the church with some with the modern blend really accentuates the faithfulness of God in the past, in the present, and into the future. Uh, one last verse, Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. This may seem like a bit of an odd choice uh, of verse to share, um, but I swear that I'm going to make a connection here. Uh, If I had to choose one concern within a strictly modern structure, uh, church structure, it is the potential for hollow and deceptive philosophy. Uh, In a modern church, you tend to be at the whim of a trend uh, or of what is most successful at the moment. And often, for the sake of modernizing, there is a reluctance to maybe be critical of these new and modern things. In the modern churches I've done ministry, I have seen this happen. In one church, sadly, Uh, the reach to be as modern as possible eventually led to the erosion of longstanding biblical truth. You could also read this verse and say, well, wouldn't this also happen with something like the Apostles' Creed or older hymns? Aren't they based on human tradition? Um, That's a fair point, but I would push back and say the advantage of ancient traditions is that they have been tested over and over again, century after century. Something like the Apostles' Creed hasn't maintained its position in churches around the world because it contains hollow or deceptive philosophy, uh, or because it's captive to the principles of this world rather than Christ. Um, The big point I'm getting at with this is that ancient practices that have stood the test of time are worthy of attention. Uh, With all that has changed throughout history, it says a lot when something ancient still finds itself in a prominent position in modern churches, uh, that it has century after century stood the test of time and been proven as something that is worthy for the church um, as a whole to appreciate, to confess, to engage with. Um, And so, it's important for us to think about that with ancient practices. These are things affirmed by the body of believers for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, that's significant, um, especially thinking of our own modern times where it seems like every six months or a year, what was popular then is now completely out of fashion, if you will. Um, so there's something that really helps ground us again in history when we think of it um, through that lens. So, uh, back to uh, one of the main reasons doing this podcast. So, why should we embrace an ancient modern church? Um, Now that we've covered some scripture and what it says about tradition, we should examine why any church would embrace an ancient modern blend. Um, Like I've said earlier, this won't be for everyone or for every church, um, and that's fair. Uh, Some will always want an ancient church, actually, and some will always want a modern church. Um, And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, um, as long as those churches are biblically and theologically faithful. Um, That's that's the key point to make in all of this. 
Um, but I do believe the ancient modern church offers something unique by blending the two together. One positive to this model is the bridge building it offers between generations. Many older adults come from churches with a heavier focus on the ancient practices and traditions, and many younger adults tend to come from churches with a modern focus. By blending the two, you have a chance to learn from and appreciate both ancient and modern, and you have an opportunity to meet in the middle. With the current state of the church, we need bridge building between generations especially. The ancient modern church is one way to offer this. Um, Of course, you also run the risk, and I've seen this, uh, of you run the risk of tension because neither side entirely gets what they want. Um, But the church can't be built on the mentality of getting what we want or what you want or what I want. Um, Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. To accomplish this, I guarantee we all have to give up on the idea of getting what we want. The ancient modern blend gives us a chance and an opportunity more than anything else in our worship to learn this lesson, to build bridges instead of barriers. The ancient modern blend also helps for us to recognize um, the church through a lens of of legacy is what I'm calling it, a lens of legacy. And what I mean by this is that we have an awareness that the church doesn't exist just for us or for a specific time. It was handed down to us by those who have gone before, and at some point it will be handed down to those who come after. By blending the ancient and the modern, we won't get caught up in the mentality of, only the good old days, or the allure to always be creating something new. Uh, Instead, we appreciate the good old days while creatively engaging that history in new and fresh ways. It's similar to, when I was putting this together, it reminded me that I think it's similar to a healthy family structure. You have the knowledge and wisdom of grandparents uh, and the energy and enthusiasm of young children. When this relationship is healthy, it produces a family dynamic that brings the best parts out of each other. Likewise, this can happen in the church when a healthy ancient modern blend exists. Similar to the bridge building uh, possibility, you do run the risk of tension if either the ancient or modern parts believe they are the most important or that they're superior um, or they try and overtake one another. It's really Really, uh, you got to really be aware of keeping the blend as, as down the middle as you can, I think, for this to be healthy and to work well. The last thing to highlight about the ancient modern approach is how it teaches us perspective. Um, I've sort of covered this already, um, and I think it's worth repeating one more time. I've often found that we as humans want to pick our group and stay safely within the walls. Part of why having either an ancient church or modern church is easier than having a blend is because you can have your particular group and there's no need to be more open to anything than that. But if we close ourselves off to different ways of thinking or seeing the world, uh, we lose the chance to gain perspective. 
to a certain extent, we also lose an opportunity to see the vastness of God. Uh, I see this in the same light as mission trips. When we get outside of our comfort zone, or at least uh, away from what what's familiar to us, it expands our way of understanding the world around us. Uh, I've shared several times, many times, podcasts and sermons about my experience in Guatemala and the perspective that gave me. Um, and I can only speak for myself, but when I started to realize this, um, that the ancient pieces brought together with the modern provides a perspective, my interaction with ancient practices began adding something to my faith I didn't realize had been missing. Uh, moreover, and maybe this would resonate with uh, most with younger people, I know my generation and those younger are constantly inundated with um, performance and entertainment. Uh, noise uh, is a good word to describe um, the feeling of this, to describe the pace and culture we live in. Um, there is a veneer or polish to presentation um, that we see through social media all the time. So the ancient side of the blend um, gives us a space that doesn't contain any of that. Um, it's, it's basic in the best possible sense um, and allows us to feel some freedom from the world around us, which demands attention and performance. Um, so yeah, I do believe that the ancient modern church has a bright future ahead. Um, that it will be something that all generations can engage with and appreciate. It's not the easiest path um, to take a church because it requires give and take uh, on preferences and it requires give and take between different positions. Um, and in a culture where preference reigns supreme, um, that's a tall task to engage with. Um, and I'll say to everyone listening, if you are a more traditional person who loves the ancient parts of the church, Remember that at one point, again, those were once modern. And if you are a modern person who wants to forge ahead with the new, uh, let the value and longstanding history of the ancient open your eyes to the full scale of how God has worked throughout all time, his faithfulness to all generations. So that's it for this week. Um, an interesting topic for me, at least, uh, hopefully for you too. Um, I know that worship practices of a church, it is a very touchy subject um, in general, especially in a blended ancient modern blend church. It is very touchy. Um, but I pray we can see the blessings of the ancient and the modern and realize how well they actually do complement one another. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for the topic. But I do have an I'm wondering question for all of you uh, for this week. How do you feel about the ancient modern church blend? Also, what is one thing from the ancient and one thing from the modern that you appreciate? Uh, how do they complement one another? Uh, and I'd love to hear uh, your answer, which you can share with me by contacting I'm Wondering Podcast at gmail.com or any of my personal contacts if you have those. Um, but yeah, that's it. So for now, I'm Dylan, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.